Hey, Nancy. Yes, Corey? So, today's Gary Gygax Day, right? It is Gary Gygax. Gary Gygax Day. Say that three times fast. Ha-ha. <laughs> <laughs> right? So, <laughs> we're going to do a little exercise here. I want you to sit down and take yourself back for a moment and just close your eyes. You're in a room surrounded by screens and monitors and you have a headset on and you're, you've got a microphone in front of you. What do you do? I'm gonna, I'm gonna do the thing. You're gonna do the thing? Gonna do a thing. All right, Nancy, roll for initiative. So, Nancy, what'd you roll? I got a one. Oof. I'm sorry. Looks like you're at the end of the turn order. But that's okay. At least you're the first to hear the rundown this week. <gasps> Yay! That's what right. What are we doing this week? <laughs> this week, we've got some Vigigam news. We're going to take some talks about some Bethesda handlings, which I'll get to. Hold that thought. Um, <laughs> talk about some Joy-Cons and some other things on that end. Also got some inner Thingman again this week, Nancy. We know that's your favorite. Ugh. Ugh. Come on, come on, <laughs> say it with me. Enter, Enter thing. I just that's... feel so dirty. <laughs> Enter thing with this week. We're going to be giving you our movie trailer rundown from the week because why not? There were so many. Got a novice's guide part two popping away in as well with Mr. One Only Pro Wrestle Junkie. Then we've got some, I'm going to call it tech news. Not tech news? Maybe news, maybe tech related. Definitely tech names involved. So we're going to label it tech news. And then we'll be joined by another guest this week. Oh, wow. Two guests. What? What? Look at us being all like popular and stuff. It's like, you can't sit with us. Yeah. Also means <laughs> we're getting political this week on a political thing. So. Without ado, I want to jump right into my first topic that I want to talk about. I'm mad, Nancy. I'm mad. Why are you mad, Corey? What happened? Who did you because dirty? Bethesda's a piece of shit company. No, Bethesda did. But let's get honest here. I want to know why Bethesda put in a 20-plus-year-old game the ability to not play the game at the time they released it without having a Bethesda account that I had no interest in creating. Yeah, they've updated it since Gamer Backlash to say they'll take that out and make it optional. But let let me run this for you. Be me. My do I have to? Do I have to? Just just in your head. Be me. Okay. okay. At in-laws. Father-in-law loves Doom. Tells you Doom's five bucks. Ask if you can get it on his Xbox. Sure as shit can. Put it on the Xbox. Download it. Log in to an Xbox account to have to play it. Then it asks for a Bethesda account. I don't have a Bethesda account. I know they don't have a Bethesda account. So what do we have to do next? Well, we have to create a Bethesda account, but I don't know the emails on any of the accounts on their Xbox. So what do I have to do? Sign in with my own Xbox account that I haven't used in probably four years. Oh, God. And then create a Bethesda account, which personally, I don't play Bethesda games. I would rather the people who originally made the IPs they bought make those games still. Okay. And I'll... 
we'll get into that when the outer rim comes out later this year by the guys who originally made fallout and when obsidian's game comes out and is fallout but better you'll understand why okay but it just goes into the fact that bethesda now again is going to make an after-release patch for a game that shouldn't have had an after-release patch to begin with i.e fallout 76 i.e doom their, their remake of doom uh let, let name a bethesda game that hasn't had a day one patch to fix some game breaking issue i you know i don't think I mean, they can fallout 76 wasn't even shipped as a complete game no and it still doesn't even work properly and bethesda's adding battle royale because they want the money off of it so yeah because it's battle doom. royale go down there fix doom take it out and better yet make doom 3 to where you don't have to log into that stupid fucking account every time you turn the game on like i wanted doom 3 i was gonna buy all three of these games and spend 20 bucks for those three games not until it's fixed like this is business. this is i have to have an account with microsoft to play on something i own from microsoft but now i have to have an account from microsoft to play a game i bought from another company that's going to require me to have my own account with that company to play the game on something i'm already paying to use tell me how you really feel <laughs> well it's like streaming services streaming services everybody's going to have a streaming service so you're going to end up going back to cable because it's cheaper Pretty soon, every game is going to have its own distribution system. You're going to have a whole Sony and Microsoft-only thing, and then you're going to have, I don't know, Square come out and release them on the Square store, and that's the only way you can buy Square games, and then you have to have it be compatible with what system. And I'm done. Let's talk about Nintendo. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get into our Nintendo things for the day. So as a quick jump into our video game news of an update from something that we had covered previously did we Nintendo? i don't think we ever talked about the joint con really are you sure i know you posted it i don't think we actually talked about it last week i'm pretty sure we maybe not last week i don't think we've talked about the joy con drift since it came up but no, I'm I'm fairly confident that we did because I was complaining about not being able to make Mario Maker levels, and it made. I think me you mad. were just complaining about not being able to make Mario Maker levels when we talked about Mario Maker. I don't think we ever talked about that. Not that it matters; okay. it's been resolved, right? <laughs> I mean, TLDR. So the Nintendo Joy Cons have been experiencing a drift issue where a Joy Con may drift in whatever direction whenever it sees fit. And it's been an issue that people have been complaining about. And they had also, the people, gamers alike, Gamers Unite, decided to band together and potentially pursue litigation against Nintendo for the Joy-Con drift. That's the TLDR version. But a fix for all has happened. Kind of. <laughs> kind of, sort of, maybe. Maybe. Um, Maybe, baby. If. Baby, baby. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Gotta stay focused. Got a lot to cover today. Um, apparently, Nintendo will actually get, get down to business about fixing this Joy-Con drift issue. Um, they will reimburse people who have already gone through the rigmarole that is any type of customer service ever to get their joy cons repaired under warranty 
and reimburse them for any charges that had occurred by having to get them fixed. And they will also be repairing any effective Joy-Cons for free going forward. Now, I want to make it a note that if you had your Joy-Cons repaired third-party side, so if you had someone else repair them, Nintendo will not cover nor reimburse. Nintendo will only reimburse if you have sent it to them to have it repaired before this. And the only way you'll get them for free is if you send it to Nintendo. You can't have some third party do it. Nintendo will not reimburse. But I mean, with that, though, that's like any time you have to get your cell phone screen repaired because it's an iPhone and you dropped it on your bed and it cracked. So then you have to send it in <laughs> to Apple. Well, that's also to get because it fixed. Apple makes <laughs> products that are designed oh. to break in a year or two. Oh, yeah, because then you just buy the new one and it's fine. We're and getting off the topic. Apple card to buy it. Oh, wait, we'll get there. <laughs> wait. Hashtag spoilers, hashtag shh. But, <laughs> um, I mean, that's with like any, you know, company that you purchase things from. Anytime you use any type of third-party repair service or any type of third-party intervention, it voids the warranty or the contract that, like, you know, you had, like, agreed to when you got said item. So, to I me, mean, it makes sense. Yeah, we know this. We know this, but you know there is somebody out there who went to Bob on the corner with his Joy-Cons for 10 bucks and got them quote-unquote fixed. And then, oh, now they don't work in Drift again. Let me send them to Nintendo and hey, let me get my five bucks back and you get neither. Because someone's going (laughs) to do it. Someone's going to go and say, Johnny Hancock down the corner repaired my Nintendo Switch and I want my money back. Which is unfortunate. And the other thing that like, has me worried about this whole like Joy-Con switch thing is the people that have their Joy-Cons modded or like artistically improved because one yeah, of one of my that good voids friends, right? One of my good friends actually does art on Joy-Cons, and there's a couple different ones that I'm like looking at maybe him doing. But the second he takes it apart to like make it all pretty and it's poof, that's gone. So that's the also another you- thing. And for those of you who are hydro-dripping your controllers, same thing. That still voids the warranty. It's not the original specification in original product Nintendo shipped to you. Yep. So, be careful. This is why I am against custom controllers unless they are officially released, is because of that reason. I haven't customized any of my controllers. I've been thinking about it, and I've had my Switch since launch, and I still haven't pulled the trigger on it. We've had those conversations, and I think I've told you multiple times that it voids your warranty, and now you can get your Joy-Cons fixed. Yeah. Actually, no. I think you're out of warranty. No, I mean, I can still send it in, though. I think your original ones are out of warranty. Yeah. But I can just say that they aren't my original ones, and they're the ones that I purchased later. Because, like, how are they going to know? serial numbers linked to those. Nintendo can look it up. There's serial numbers on every piece of hardware they ship. I mean, I'll find a way. I'll just carry my way through it and call it a day. They're Japanese. (laughs) Do you really think that scares them? I don't know. I'm a pretty scary person. I mean, so we're we're talking about Japan. They'll just send tentacles after you. Then what are you going to do? Make a hentai? I mean, no. Oh my goodness. So that's a great one. What else do we 
I couldn't help myself. I'm so sorry. <laughs> You're going to get clipped again, and it's going to be great. Stay tuned. Clip show coming eventually. Oh, I can't wait. It should be our end of the year, our 2019 celebration of all the dumb stuff that comes out of Nancy's mouth. Here's a 30-minute compilation. Nancy's... Yeah. <laughs> Nancy's foot-in-her-mouth compilation. It's fine. It's only going to be on the internet forever. I'll and survive. Ever. Forever well, and ever. I guess maybe that means you need to sit with your man and play some Mario Kart then, huh? I do. I need. I just need to destroy him in Mario Kart. Well, I mean, this survey says it'll help you guys stay together longer. I mean, that's the end goal, right? I don't want to be alone forever. I need someone that I can kick their butt in Mario Kart. And <laughs> yeah. Did you know that one in three people aged 18 to 24 say games have a positive impact on their relationship? Really? I also want you to know that the picture they have is Bowser and Peach standing together on top of a pipe with a floating Goomba. Yeah. And they also just have Toad chilling with a banana peel, too, because the banana peel was totally a part of this um, style of Mario. First of all, I want to put that they've only surveyed a thousand people. Second is that it was only between the ages of 18 and 24, so hashtag I'm too old for this survey. Also, my man is too old for this survey. Actually, wait, um, 18 to 24, I'm too old for this survey. No! Apparently, <laughs> of the 1,000, only 42 said gaming led to a breakup. Interesting. So. That just means they couldn't get good. But yet last year, video game addiction was cited as a cause for divorce in the UK. I feel like we're getting some conflicting information here. I don't know. Just remember to snuggle without the controller. Maybe you're good. But what if the controller vibrates? I mean, what you do in your spare time in your bed is your own deal. I guess that's <laughs> maybe that's why your Joy-Cons drift. <laughs> right. But I mean, those that that one two switch game with the, the balls where you can actually feel the moving. I mean, it's like it's almost real. And that's why you have Joy-Con drift. Got it. <laughs> I don't know. I I. I feel like Mario Kart causes too much rage because I know I rage at Mario Kart. I, I've played Mario Kart with you, and yes, you do rage at Mario Kart, and it's I hilarious. I would also like to know why and how role-playing, how, how Skyrim is a game on this list when it's a single-player game. Apparently, well, okay, so like, here's... I get here's... it, but I also want to know why... Why is Skyrim so damn popular still? Like, what is it? Five, six years after it came out? Yeah, but I mean, like, you get to go around and just, like, steal things and, like, make a house and kidnap kids and kind of adopt them. And I get it, but do you really need to pay $60 for a game that old still? Oh, no, definitely It's been released not. on every console that's come out since it came out. You name a console, it runs Skyrim. Skyrim has its tentacles and everything, really. And I so. still don't like it. But I also don't oh, like I... Western RPGs. Oh, I like Bioshock. Uh, no, I take that back. Uh, Mass Effect is probably the only Western RPG I liked. The first three. I didn't play Andromeda. Heard bad things. Still haven't tried it. I've never Mass Effect. So it's a good game. Good story. But yeah, no, since I guess maybe I just don't like Skyrim because I'm not a Western RPG fan. You give me a JRPG, that's my shit. See, I, I've enjoyed Skyrim and I've put a lot of hours into Skyrim, but it's never 
doing anything I'm supposed to be doing and like run around and just like steal things and just like mess around and have a whole bunch of people mad at me and like a lot of times I would just do like cat and mouse with the guards where I'd like steal something and then like find a creative way to like kill the guard that's chasing me that's why I like Skyrim (laughs) and I don't know what that says about me as a person but that's why I like Skyrim I mean, this is a lot of things about you as a person, but we won't go there. No, this isn't a therapy session, and I don't feel like talking about it today. Um, you sure? I mean, I'm listening. Well, I hope you're not the only one listening. Uh-huh. Well, I can count at least four. <laughs> I can count this many. Holds up four um, fingers. Um, um. <laughs> yeah, so video games save relationship, guys, but... Before we close out on this, Corey, I have one question for you. What's up? Have you ever played the Mario Kart drinking game? Yeah. How did you do? I do fine. I chug it before I start going. Oh, so you just much like I do in real life. (laughs) (laughs) Is that is that the old man catching up with you? (laughs) No. It's just the rules of the drinking game say that I can't drink and drive. I have to drink or drive. So I chug it beforehand and then race my laps and then chug the next one and race my laps. That's how I play. See, I I get the first lap down and then like set the pace and get a feel for it before I chug. So I'll do lap one, pull over, chug, and then use laps two and three to then catch back up and it usually works out okay. Yeah, that's why I just do it at the beginning. <laughs> no, because sometimes, like especially with these newer Mario Kart levels, with because I never played the Wii U version. I went from Wii Mario Kart to the Switch version. I missed the Wii U, and they carried so much stuff over from like the Wii U version of Mario Kart to the Switch, which is like basically a port. Like, the well, same I thing. mean, it is a port. The Switch version of Mario Kart is the Wii U version of Mario Kart, just all of the DLC included on the cartridge. It's the exact same game. Right, but even still, that was just something that I had missed because I had never owned a Wii U, and I'm pretty sure I've mentioned this at least twice now. Still an um, argument I have about the Switch. Need more new games, not ports. <laughs> yeah, but you still have the Switch, so now you can't talk. So um, you can be mad. I can still talk and be mad about that. And to be fair, every game I've bought on the Switch has been a new game that has come out on this generation of console. I have not bought one port. That's fair. I've bought plenty of ports, but like I said, I never had a Wii U, so I have an excuse. So it's fine. So I at least get to like play the things that I've missed and it's been good. But for me, never playing like that Wii U version... Like, I, I have to get that first lap down so that way I can, like, strategize as I'm getting more and more intoxicated. But if it was, like, Nintendo 64 version of Mario Kart, I think I'd be fine. I could do your strategy and just chug it and then go. Because I know Nintendo 64 levels, like, the back of my head. You say that. <laughs> just Oh, wait. no. I do, I do. Do you know the speedruns for Mario Kart 64? I do. Hmm? I do. I, at least... I'd say you know how to, like, completely skip the DK jungle level and not have to do anything and still win it? Maybe not that one, but I ha- I know the, There's a lot. Like, the Bowser's Castle and then the uh, Toad. Yeah, you know, the common ones that are just 
casual speedrun strats. Gotcha. Whatever. Okay. I'm talking about the actual game glitch strats. See, I don't try to break the things that like I love. <laughs> Dude, Nintendo games are usually horribly broken. Look at Breath of the Wild. That game is so broken. Oh, speaking of Breath of the Wild, totally not relevant to anything that we've been talking about, but apparently there's a new hack to get unlimited Korok seeds that's been circulating on the internet. And hopefully you can all go get your unlimited Korok seeds if you're still playing Breath of the Wild. And there's a couple yeah. videos on YouTube how to do it. So that way you can just load up on all the armor that you could possibly need before Nintendo patches it again. So go forth, gamers. Nintendo Prosper. will probably patch it before you try it. Good luck, though. Oh, it's complicated. Like, you have to go into... You have to do one of, like, the horse races, and then you have to, of course, get a wild horse, let the game... Lake Hylia, and then, like, kind of, like, glitch the game, like, up where you're, like, going in between, like, the third branch and the top of the tree to, like, trigger the Korok, like, over and over again. So, no Gotcha. Well, fun fact. I think we need to move into Interthinkment. I think so, too. Otherwise, we're going to be stuck here for a while. Just talking about things that kind of maybe relate to the articles we have pulled up. Honestly, I don't think the last 20 minutes, the last like 10 minutes of this even did. But you know what? Who cares? Interthingment. So we've had a big week in interthingment. <laughs> I still love it. I've got you saying it. Come on. One more time. Uh, See, ready, ready, ready. And interthingment. See, this is what happens when I leave you alone for a week. I can never I take a vacation up, again. I come up with awesome <laughs> wordplay segment names? Nah, come on now. This is great stuff. So, I mean, is it to be decided? We we will eventually have a debate on interthingment, but today is not that day because we it's have a lot to talk around, about. Guys, it's staying around. We ain't getting rid of interthingment. <laughs> Over my dead body, are we getting rid of interthingment? Do you understand? Interthingment stays. Political decision. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so in interthingment news we have a bunch of movie trailers drop this week so of course we have to talk about it Even um more than comic-con woo yeah a little bit so one thing i just kind of want to like our, our light fluff piece is that the knockoff of legos dropped a knockoff of the lego movie Oh man, are you talking about Duplo? No, wait, Duplo is owned by Lego. You must be talking about Playmobil. I am talking about Playmobil. The so, little people of Legos. Exactly. So, Playmobil, the movie, is apparently a thing. Is it Playmobil, the movie, the game? Please tell me that's going to be a thing too. I, I would, I, to be honest, I would pay all of $3 to play Playmobil, the movie, the game. You know no what? No more than $3. Screw it. Hey guys podcast announcement our facebook name change is becoming a thing the podcast the facebook page i love it let's do Look it for it coming soon <laughs> it'll be up before the next episode so you'll hear this and it'll be done after and you'll know live and then you'll understand why <laughs> believe me we're gonna start branding ourselves like Spaceballs, the movie the game it's it's art we need to anyway. submit it to the twitter page of is it art and the All answer right, is be- yes to be fair, this movie does have a good-looking voice cast with Daniel Radcliffe and Jim Gaffigan in it already. Those two alone could be interesting. You know, it is interesting because, like, I was I was watching the trailer because I had to because curiosity got the best of me, and Daniel Radcliffe doesn't 
sound like Daniel Radcliffe too much in this, which is exciting to see him like get into more of a voice acting role and not just like this is my voice put into a character. Um, like so many then, do. Right. And then you've got clean comedian Jim Gaffigan just like <sighs> doing something that's not a Netflix special, which is also it'll be flowing. I think it'll be good. It'll be it'll be good for a knockoff. Like it's like when you get like instead of a Gucci purse, you get like a a Goosey purse, you know? I get that's, you. That's, yeah. That's about where it's at. Um so yeah, so look forward to that coming to a direct DVD near you. I don't know if it's going to come out. I think movie. it's going to probably come to the <laughs> But yeah, more than likely coming soon to a DVD player near... Oh, man, are DVDs even really a thing anymore? No, they're not, and that's exactly why I said it's... Coming soon to a Blu-ray near you. It's not even getting a streaming release, just Blu-ray. No, I don't know. It might not even go to Blu-ray. It might go to... Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> I mean... So... <laughs> so in, in less cringy news, we did get a trailer... That I was super excited for and have been waiting for for months now, which is Won't You Be My Neighbor? Hello, neighbor. Hello. Honestly, I, it's, it's Tom Hanks playing Mr. Rogers. I'm happy. It's all I needed. It's what I thought it would be. I'm happy. I'll go see. I'm I'm very excited for it. I I am a like a PBS kid. Because we were too poor for cable for so long. And I loved watching Mr. Rogers. And I love Tom Hanks. And even watching, like, the trailer. Just, like, it reminded me not to be such a crappy person. And to just, like, be happy for a little while. And just, like, be accepting. <laughs> and, like, all those wonderful things that Mr. Rogers taught me when I was a kid. And I'm just, I'm super ready for it. It's going to so, be fantastic. I got a question Tom Hanks wants quick. another Oscar. I'd say while we're talking about Mr. Rogers and Tom Hanks, uh -huh. you, have, you, have you seen, you've seen Drunk History before? Yes. You know, they had a segment about Mr. Rogers on Drunk History. I had no idea. Do you know who played Mr. Rogers in that segment on Drunk History? Ooh. Colin Hanks. Tom Hanks' son? Tom Hanks' son. Colin <gasps> Hanks played Mr. Rogers before Tom Hanks was cast as Mr. Rogers in this movie. Or oh, as his son God. put on Twitter, his dad's stealing his best role. <laughs> Oh, Shout out, tea. though, he makes a, his son makes handkerchiefs called Hank's kerchiefs. See, he understands branding and, like, how you're supposed to name things. So I respect that. Right. So, yeah. Um, also, if you don't follow Tom Hanks on Twitter, he is a great follow. He is just a pure Just recommend it. Just go follow him. Look at things he posts. He finds lost gloves and puts pictures of them. Just on the side of the road. I love it. You need to. Yeah, no, Tom Hanks is just like a like a wholesome content of a human being. And I like him like randomly just showing up at people's things and doing like Let's oh, this talk is... I, I want to talk about a trailer real quick, then if we're gonna talk about wholesome. Okay. It's a great wholesome trailer that dropped actually I think during Comic Con. Not oh. a musical. It was a big Broadway show back in the day. Oh, no. About cats. No. But oh man, let me tell you, it's so wholesome to see no. these orphan-sized cat people that are. I can't keep up the ruse, guys. It's creepy as hell. I am upset. Pop team epic. 
I won't lie though, Taylor Swift as a cat looks still like Taylor Swift now. I don't see a difference. Put them next to each other. Show me a picture of a cat, Taylor Swift cat from that movie, and Taylor Swift. They all the same. Yeah. Well, I mean all the same. It's not a bit all the same. I don't know. Taylor Taylor Swift still looks like a snake to me. Hashtag shade. I think that's why what is it that they call her on uh Oh yeah, Tate Offs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not a T Swizzle fan, so like they're like, oh, she's a cat. It's like, nah, she'll forever be a snake. Good try though. Yeah. <laughs> Would you step on her? Ooh. Don't okay. So we're gonna we're gonna split my personalities here. Cause I have my D D persona and my real life persona. <laughs> yeah, this by the way, this is a D&D conversation spilling over to the podcast that was unintentional, actually. I just had to ask. Yeah, but I mean, it's fine because it's uh, Gary Gygax Day still, so it's still relevant to our podcast. Hey, weren't we trying to figure out how to figure, work Gygax Day really into this earlier? See, there we go. Look at it. It all it all comes full circle. Anyway, so, <laughs> would you step my, on, on Snake Swiftler? Um, my real-life persona? Not only would I step on her, but then I would, like, you know, slow motion beat her with a baseball bat in the middle of a field somewhere. Um, but my D&D persona would not step on Snake, but maybe pick up and throw far, far away. What if we polymorphed her from a snake to something else? Then I'd be fine with it. Good to know moving forward, picking up polymorph. Yeah, pick up Polymorph, and then snakes will no longer be an issue. Anyway, back to the cat's trailer. <laughs> <laughs> this thing looks creepy as hell. The music's still going to be the broad show. Go watch the PBS tape they put out in like the late 90s, early 2000s. You'll feel less really, uncomfortable. Unless you want to see Idris Elba as a cat, because I'm sorry, he's the only one that, well, never mind. Oh, does does he make you feel some type of way about a certain type of cat? I mean, it's Idris Elba. It's Idris Elba. Makes, Let's just go. Yeah. Let's just... I don't like, yeah, it's Idris Elba. He's a good actor. He'll kill it either way. And actually looks, of course, he's playing like that alley like gangster cat. So they kind of gave him that tough cat look. I'm all about the tough cat. This movie single handedly <laughs> going to create a whole new generation of. Bring on the memes. <laughs> I can't wait. The internet's going to be so much fun once this movie drops. Can't wait. I got more wholesome content. That's right. Wholesome. That's my theme. Zombies. Oh, you shoot trailer. Oh, and you shoot holes in zombies. I get it. But With um, the original ching. cast, all yeah. grown up. Again, is, gonna go see Luke Wilson's in it. Come on. Is is Bill Murray in this one too? No, he's dead. I mean, but like maybe he like makes a zombie appearance. I think they kind knows. of. Luke Wilson's in it. We got enough. We got Luke yeah, Wilson. Yeah, that's true. And we got the original that's cast. They can't afford Bill Murray. Anyway, it's coming out. It looks good. I don't have much more to say. You you know what to expect out of zombie out of a zombie land movie. Yep, and it's like, always a fun time. I've seen that movie so many times since it came out. It's still funny. It's it's an art piece and should be treasured as such. And one more bit of news I want to cover and enter thingment. See, when you enunciate it like that, it just makes it worse. So just like just say <laughs> entertainment, just get out of your system. I feel better. Can I call it entertainment? <coughs> I got no. the cough. That means yes. Anyway, we got the Hitchhiker's <laughs> Guide to the Galaxy show is apparently going to be coming to Hulu by Disney. Woo! Little hesitant about the whole Disney thing, but... I'm not. 
Like, I'm not hesitant about Disney putting this on and making it a TV show. I mean, Disney's really good at really dumping. Expand. Yeah, and Disney's good at dumping money into things. And let's be fair, Hitchhiker's Guide, the movie we got was good. It was okay. It was a decent adaptation of the book with a lot changed. And we've got the audio dramas from the BBC, and that's really it, other than the books when it comes to media for the show. So this is a chance for them to get in at the ground floor and basically create a whole television universe that could go on for a long time with the six books that are out there. And as long as we get singing dolphins saying so long, so thanks for all the fish at the beginning, I might be happy. So you want the full, now do you want like a Cats level musical production of the dolphin singing so for all the fish? I mean, that's what we got in the movie. I'd be okay with that. But I also do want it to give me the whole, like, the movie did some things well. It did the whole whale falling in her monologue and the petunia thing. Great. I hope they get to where they'll explain the petunia bowl bit when you find right. out it's actually, well, I'm not going to spoil it. Yeah, don't spoil. I'm not. If you, if you really want to know, you can You can read it. It's in, I believe, the I don't think it's in Restaurant at the End of the Galaxy. I think it's in the one after that, and I don't remember the name. I think that one actually is called So Long and Thanks for All the Fish. Wonderful. Oh, the last one's called Mostly Harmless. So, that about sums up the franchise, I'd say. Well, there's, I think, five books. I have all of them somewhere. I just can't be bothered to dig them out before we were recorded. But, yeah, there's really no other information other than that announcement, but I was hype enough on that announcement to just say, hey, let's talk about it for a second. Because it should be a good time. So I guess I want to go from one guide to another guide. From a hitchhiker's oh. guide to a novice Nancy's guide. Let's go. Novice That's Nancy's right. guide time. So this week we again have part two of our three-part in-depth banalization of SummerSlam events. The top seven matches according to WWE. Um, this time we go through a couple more matches with Mr. Junkie. So it looks like we are back with part two of our novice slash Nancy's guide to wrestling. Back again with Mr. Pop Culture slash wrestling junkie. And of course, Ori. Yeah, I'm here to learn myself some knowledge about the wrestling. I've learned a lot about these there wrestlers and I'm ready to learn more. So, Mr. Pop Culture Junkie. Yes, yes, yes. uh, We're going to pick up on number five on the WWE's list that we have been referencing. So, can you tell us about Edge and Christian versus the Dudley Boys versus the Hardly Hardy Boys World Tag Team Championship? Because that's a lot of things in one. But wait, there's more. There's more to that. It also yeah. is tables, ladders, and chairs, man. Oh, my. <laughs> oh, I'm so glad you said that, because that is exactly how they they plugged it, was tables, ladders, and chairs. Oh, my. <laughs> so. See, I got uh, this. <laughs> this was in the year 2000, and this is still, you know, the height of the Attitude Era, and tag team wrestling had kind of taken a snooze during the mid to late 90s. They had really not focused on having solid tag team wrestling. And during the Attitude Era, thankfully, we had so many talented tag teams coming into both WWE, WWF, whatever you want to say, and WCW and ECW. So the first tag team to discuss was 
the Dudley Boys, which were from ECW, Extreme Championship Wrestling, based out of uh, Philadelphia. Uh, okay. That was uh, started around 93, 94, and uh, Paul Heyman was the one that ran that company until they were bought out in 2001. At the same time, WCW got bought out by WWF. The Dudley Boys was a tag team. Actually, they were a faction, stable, whatever you want to say. There was other Dudley members. There was Spike Dudley. There was Big Dick Dudley. There was other Dudley members. And the two, of course, here we have Devon and Bubba Ray. Uh, their gimmick was uh, when they came to WWF, their gimmick was they would have a, a table involved either during a match or after a match. They'd put somebody through a table sometimes. And the other tag team, the Hardy Boys, Jeff and Matt Hardy, they started off as what you would call jobbers. Uh, basically, you'd have the, the main wrestler, somebody as a name, versus just a person to squash. And the Hardy Boys started off as jobbers for a lot of wrestlers in the like mid-90s. This is back when they were like, I think they started when they were like 16, 17. They lied about their age uh, to be able to go wrestle there. Uh, they started getting some popularity in the late, uh, in the fall of 99, because Edge and Christian, the other tag team, uh, who kind of had this uh, gothic uh, vampire look uh, of such, of course, well, we can't help but think of like Blade the movie that was out and around that time. Uh, Edge and Christian. And the Hardys had a feud, which led to a Terry Invitational ladder match. And the reason it was called Terry Invitational, there was a very attractive uh, ring valet named Terry. And the gimmick was whoever won this ladder match gets her managerial uh, manager uh, services. And the Hardys and Edge and Christian had a ladder match that stole the show. The, the people are still talking about to this day. And then you factor in the Dudley Boys and Edge and Christian and Hardy Boys all together. They started having matches uh, against each other, just you know, two, uh, tag team matches versus uh, one another. Well, eventually you had Edge and Christian showing up with uh, steel chairs, Dudley Boys tables, and then Hardy Boys with the uh, ladders. And eventually they had this match called the TLC match. Strangely enough, though, this wasn't the first... TLC match. This is the first one they call the TLC, but at WrestleMania earlier that year, they had a triple threat ladder match. That, that That's what they called it, but it still involved chairs and tables, so, yeah. But the match itself, again, it's a tag team match for the tag team titles. Similar gimmick to the Triple H and the Rock match we talked about. Just hang the belts above the ring and climb the ladder to, to win the match. And use the ladders to knock out your enemies. Huzzah! Wow. Yeah. <laughs> But this is what you would call like a, just a, a human car crash. I mean, there was tables, chairs, ladders, everything's getting thrown at each other. Uh, the the six guys involved in this match, they've gone on record saying how they all knew like, hey, we're not there yet. Like you have a lot of future world champions in these teams, actually. Later on, they would be top guys in the company and other companies as well. But at the time, they were still your mid-card making a name for themselves and they've gone on record saying before the match, we literally just stood in the back embraced and said, Hey, let's go out here. We do whatever we have to do. We'll apologize to each other later if it gets too, too crazy. So when you see these matches and you wonder like, damn, how, you know, how much of a uh, planning job did they do before they started doing all this crazy stuff? And they were like, no, we got to make ourselves, you know, a name. So they put it all on the line. Wow. 
So, WWE has this at number five. We're going to talk about your number placements later. Your top seven. Does this make it? Yes, it does. All right. Yes. I'll let you talk about those reasons later when we get there. Okay. So, let's talk about number four. I think Nancy um, knows these names. Hey, I do. I, know I actually both know names, both actually. of these names for different reasons and from a completely different sport. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One See? did better in it than the other did by far. Ooh, one ooh, has I a wonder, feud with the which, Green Ranger. Which one did better? Which one did better? <laughs> so, <laughs> Which one See, won I'm, the match? <laughs> yeah, right. Which one did not feud with the Green Ranger? <laughs> Jeez. Um. So, CM Punk versus Brock Lesnar. No disqualification match. So, dun, questions dun, before dun. before we begin. Any questions? I have a lot of questions, but I know you'll kind of explain them as you go. Okay. So, so, so. but to preface, I know these both both of them from the UFC. Yes. See. So, oh, go ahead, Nancy. I I know CM Punk because I'm from the Chicago area. So, unfortunately, that's one of our claims to fame. <laughs> and I say that because I just don't like him as a person, as a wrestler, as a UFC fighter, or as a D all of the above. And I, I mean, don't, and I actually, don't, don't hold it. Don't hold back now. I mean, come on. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to be nice. <laughs> and then I, and I know, I know Brock, I've actually seen a couple of his like wrestling matches, but not mm-hmm. any of like significance, just like the ones that are filler between the big ones. Okay. So that's, that's about my, my background knowledge on these. Okay. But I at least know the people we're talking about this time. So there's that. Okay, so I'll give you all a little background real quick. So Brock Lesnar came into WWE in 2002. Um, he looked similar to how he looks in this picture we're looking at, except like even more jacked because, I mean, at the time he was like 20, I think he was 23 years old at the time, maybe 24. Okay. Um, and he was just a freak of nature. Uh, he came in as the the gimmick they called him was the next big thing, and that was really what he came in. He just came in and just ran over everybody. But this guy is a genetic freak, really. I mean, he's <clears throat> as much as I don't care for his uh, personal choices and the way he uh, does things. Uh, in his, you know, personally, I think the guy is just a total you know asshole at times, and okay. he's 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 really at that level now with his finances where he's like, I can just say whatever I want, do what I want, I don't care. And that's fine. But this guy, whenever, you know, he, he came in, he was doing things, uh, as a amateur, he was an amateur wrestler in college, won multiple, you know, times in, in college and such. But, uh, he came in and I know Vincent Mann, uh, if you didn't know this already, he's always had a fascination with size. I don't know if he's okay. compensating for something himself, but he's always been, <laughs> He's always been fascinated with a big dude. So that's why WWF back in the 80s was was known as the Land of the Giant. Not just because it had Andre the Giant there. It was known as the Land of the Giants because he always wanted guys that were six foot three, six foot four or bigger, 280 pound or more. And so you had guys like CM Punk would never have gotten an opportunity in the 80s because you have a five foot 10, you know, 185 pound guy here. Uh, but that was, you know, the different time back in the 80s. But Lesnar came in, 
he worked for two years and actually his second year there in 2003, I met him at the uh, previous job I had back then and got to meet him while he was currently the WWE champion. And you could tell right then he was not happy with meeting fans in person. Because <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I used to I used to try to get autographs at my old job all the magazine there, mm-hmm. and I would try to see people as they would be passing by our store. And here he is in the hallway looking jacked as he can be, and I'm like, oh my god, that's Brock Lesnar. I grab a magazine, run over there. I'm like, hey man, you know, do you mind giving me an autograph? Uh, sir, who's actually only like a couple months older or younger than me at the time, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he like he, he basically shrugged like, yeah, sure. I'm like, okay. And he signed it and whatnot. And I tried to ask him a couple questions about the uh, previous episode of SmackDown. He was kind of like, what? I was like, well, was this supposed to happen that happened on that show? He's like, uh, yeah, yeah. And I was like, I don't think you really pay attention. I think you come in, you get your check and you go. And he's been on record now saying that's literally what he does because you can ask him about a match if you can talk to him in person he'd be like I don't know I don't know when that match happened I don't know what <laughs> yeah it's 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 a paycheck to him it's a yeah he's he's not he a fan a... yeah it's a, it's a paycheck plus the head trauma yeah he's just out there you know what? it's still safer than football very true oh well that's funny you mentioned football because. He got in at 2000, in 2002, and then he left after WrestleMania 20 in 2004 to go play football. He wanted to go try out for the uh, Minnesota Vikings. And surprisingly, yeah. he actually was like the second-to-last cut from the uh, tryouts. So he actually got pretty far, but he didn't get there. Pan, he wrestled a couple of matches over there, but then he found his way into USC. Got a lot of su- uh, success there, of course, and then... He lost his last few fights and decided I don't want to get punched in the face for real anymore and came back to WWE in 2012. And Paul Heyman is the gentleman you see in the photo here with the uh, necktie being pulled. That was Paul Heyman who ran ECW. He was uh, Lesnar's manager in uh, WWE before, and of course they paired him back up when he came back. Mm -hmm. CM Punk now, of course, uh, legendary in the indies and then came to WWE and uh, was ECW champ, later on WWE champ, world heavyweight champ, etc. Punk at this time was, I believe, yeah, he was he had been managed by Paul Heyman as well, and they started a feud where Heyman turned on Punk and only wanted to manage Lesnar now. So that's what led to this matchup, and it's a no DQ match because honestly, that's the best way to get Brock's matches right now. Brock Lesnar is a great wrestler. But since he came back in 2012, he's really riding on the fact that I'm a name from UFC and I don't have to do anything I don't want to do. <laughs> so if I don't want to put on a five-star match, I'm not going to. So most of his matches usually have no DQ, no count out, or even if there is no uh, you know, stipulation, he, they still are like, yeah, just let him do whatever he wants. Yeah. So what is a no DQ match? Like what? It's, what would be a disqualification in the world of WWE? Because I'm sure what they consider a disqualification is, I'm, I'm just I'm not sure. Uh, so funny thing is, there's a uh, there's a few different matches that you could call no disqualification. There's a street fight. There's no holds barred. There's a hardcore match, and then there's a no DQ match. Those all have different titles, but they're all the same thing. Disqualification just means if Either one of them was to go outside the ring, get a steel chair, and hit somebody with it, then you lose the match. Or 
let's say Heyman, who is Lesnar's manager at the time, if he comes in and he hits Punk, then Punk wins because he was, you know, hit by somebody outside of the match. So that's what would disqualify somebody. Okay, so like in a Brock Lesnar match, it's whatever the hell you want to do. Okay, I'm going to do this. Okay, you do that. Yep. Yeah, no DQ, I mean, no DQ matches, uh, they are special at times, but are they were special at times long ago when it wasn't, uh, you know, done so often, but here out here lately, every it's uh, getting to be a common stipulation, and like I said, those other ones, like Street Fight Hardcore Match, I mean, they all, thing. I don't know why they don't just, just call it a no DQ match, don't give it the fancy name of, I'm challenging you to a no holds ball, and next, next matchup, we're going to have a street fight, it's like, there is no difference, this means no rules. <laughs> Gotcha. Yeah. So, this match worthy of its spot? I would not put it as number four um, on the on their list. It's not in my top seven. Okay. And not until we started to discuss doing this uh, show did I actually recall this match. So it was not even in my top ten of uh, of greatest SummerSlam matches. It's a great match. It is something I recommend people see if you are a fan of either one of these guys. But no, it would not be in my top ten. Shots fired. I guess we should move on to our number three match. Shawn Michaels versus Triple H. Unsanctioned street fight. Let's, let's, uh, let's hear about this thing. So I'm guessing that an unsanctioned street fight is basically like a no DQ match then? Uh, it is, uh, with one difference. The reason they put unsanctioned, I'll get, uh, let me go a little backtrack on that. Okay. Yeah. Let's get to the yeah. history of this one. So Shawn Michaels, of course, uh, has gone down to be known as one of the greatest WWE slash greatest wrestlers of all time. And I can't argue that I, he's, he's in my top two of all time between him and Stone Cold Steve Austin. And okay. it, it's a matter mm. of what. Uh, I guess what you're looking for in a wrestler as far as which one of those two is the better of the two, because uh, they're both amazing in my opinion. But Shawn Michaels, he started off as a tag team wrestler, went into a singles uh, career, and then formed D-Generation X with Triple H in the late uh, in ni- late 97 uh, throughout 98. Then he sadly had to retire after WrestleMania 14 in uh, 1998 due to a back injury uh, that he suffered at Royal Rumble of 98 where he was fighting the undertaker in a casket match the undertaker threw him over the top rope and there was a a giant wooden casket uh on the outside of the ring and michael's lower back clipped the edge of the uh casket and at the time during the match with i mean if you're in a sporting event of any type whether it's football wrestling whatever adrenaline plays a key role in you not feeling anything until the next day well Sean had the match and went about the night. The next day he woke up, he could not get out of bed. He couldn't move a muscle. So they were in panic mode. They didn't know how this was going to happen. To At the time, he was WWE champion. So they didn't know what was going to happen with the title. And he had a match scheduled to face uh, Stone Cold at WrestleMania 14, which was going to make Stone Cold a name finally. So Sean had to you know, power through, and he did a match at WrestleMania 14. That was his last match. And then he came back in 2002. Strangely enough, uh, what was it? WrestleMania 18 that year. They had a 
Hulk Hogan come back and he wrestled The Rock and Hogan was part of the NWO, which was a big faction in WCW, of course. And uh, after I remember that, yeah, and I love that match because that was, was when the fans in Canada booed for The Rock and cheered for Hogan, even though they were opposites. They were supposed to be heel and face opposites. <laughs> but so uh, Shawn Michaels, uh, he was brought back in to join the NWO after Hogan left the NWO and some other people did. And it was just they were they were really forming you know almost a, a copy of DX, which DX and NWO were kind of built from the same guys. That's a longer story. But Shawn Michaels came back as that, and sadly, two of the guys in the NWO, one got fired after the plane ride from hell, which is a long story in itself, and the other one, uh, Kevin Nash, he just had uh, another quad injury and was out for like a year or so. So they didn't have anything else for Shawn Michaels to do. He'd only been back for a few weeks. So they decided, let's put Shawn and Triple H together and maybe reform DX, except Shawn still hadn't had a match. He had just come back as a manager gimmick. So they had Triple H attack Shawn Michaels, and that set up this unsanctioned street fight because the gimmick was, well, Shawn hasn't wrestled in four years, and we don't even know if he can, so we're not going to sanction this. This is just going to be a street fight. Even though the ending of the match has a pinfall, it's like, well, shouldn't it just be, I just just whooped his ass and walk away? <laughs> okay. Yeah, So, but the street fight again means anything goes, and they started off as a wrestling match, and they brought in all the toys you wanted to call, so they had tables and chairs and kendo sticks and other things involved. Ooh. So, so essentially it was like they had what you would have at a table slider's chair match in a street fight setting with no rules. Yes. And for anyone who is not a uh, wrestling fan to my level, including the two of y'all where it's like, you know, more novice to y'all versus me. That's this is a match. Have a guide. That's why. Yep. But this is a match you should see. It is highly entertaining. And you've got two of the greatest of all time. Like the description of this fight, just saying it says unstrange sanctioned street fight. And if anything goes has enough for me to want to watch it. And then reading what it says about this. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I would, I, I may very well go take a look at this one. I like I the, would. The drama between the two friends and it's like i've had drama between friends before that may or may not have ended street fight but i can't talk about it for legal reasons i don't want to get sued so i'm just gonna leave it at that so <laughs> i think on that note we're gonna end this part of our novices guide um we're gonna come back for one more week I think we're going to do definitely the top two, um, get some honorable mentions in, maybe go over Mr. Junkie's list a little bit. We may have to break this into a fourth part and just make it a wrestling learning month. Um, Ooh, I like cliffhangers. So I'm throwing to one of us because we haven't actually recorded what comes after this yet. See you then. So, hey, Nancy. Yes, Corey? Did you learn something today? I learn something every day. Awesome. I'm glad you learned. And I really do want to, again, want to say thank you to Mr. Junkie for, you know, doing these segments with us to lead up to SummerSlam coming. I know there's a lot of y'all out there that like pro wrestling. So, you know, we know we have a lot of novice Nancy. Yeah, we have a lot of novice Nancys out there. So, Don't insult the people like that. (laughs) 
<laughs> You're right. I shouldn't call them novice yous. I should just call them novices. Exactly, because I'm on my own other level. So don't don't belittle our, our listeners to my level, because that's just not fair, and we might get sued. But have you ever snapped into a Slim Jim? Of course. So you know who a wrestler is then. True. So ta-da! Have... At least you know something. I know, I know a thing. Ah. Uh... <laughs> and that's why we do our guides anyway. <laughs> Anywho, now it is time for us to get into our tech news of the day. I'm going to throw air quotes around that tech news. Yes. Just picture them in your mind. They're severe air Austin Power, Dr. Evil level of air quotes for tech news. <laughs> and because... that's because Apple decided they wanted to make a credit card. Yeah, apparently they're going to be launching with Goldman Sachs. And that combination just like sounds so highway robbery. <laughs> I mean, why not get an Get a credit card that's probably going to have an over-inflated interest rate on it to buy overpriced hardware that expire that's basically obsolete within two years or breaks or stops working or you know you hold it the wrong way and it stops getting antenna signal a la the iPhone four. See, you and you have to change your charging port every three years or have the port that only your phone uses and no one else you know has that port because they don't use bad product. See, and here's the thing with that, too, is you're giving Apple way too much credit because you say it's obsolete after two years. But to be honest, it's really obsolete after just one year. And they're like, oh, we're just going to start slowing down your phone. I give them credit because the battery on the phone is designed to last two years. Well, any battery is designed to last if you know how to charge it. But anyway, you, so you've worked at Radio Shack. You should know this. What's a Radio Shack? It's a dinosaur. You can probably find them in the same aisle as like Blockbuster in terms of archaeology. Yeah, I actually was wearing a Radio Shack shirt easy earlier. Anyway, so I want to talk a little bit about this though. So 3% cash back purchases made within Apple. Let's keep a let, let's think about that. Apple's going to give you money to buy things from Apple. It's like every other company that gives you a credit card. Like Costco. You get 2% back for shopping at Costco. And 2% get... is not a lot when you shop like a regular human. 2% via the virtual card in the wallet app. So now if wherever you're going supports Apple Pay, you're going to get 2%. But only 1% when using the physical titanium card. So they're going to cut it out of titanium. What happens if you lose your card? Why would I want to carry a titanium piece of metal with me? Look. Amex does this. You know how they handle it? How? They, whatever, with that titanium card, if you lose it, you have to pay them for that card back for them to replace it. If you lose the privileges of that card, you have to send it back to them for them to melt down and print new cards with. If you want any extra cards, they're plastic. See, and I find, so, and like, here's something that's both one, super shitty of Apple, and two, absolutely brilliant. Because, and I know this in like my hardest of hearts, that the people that are going to be getting this credit card from Apple are going to want to flaunt that they have an Apple credit card. So instead of using 
that 3% or 2% cash back because, you know, they're using it on the Apple products or, you know, through, you know, Apple Pay, they're going to be like, oh, this is my Apple credit card swipe. Yep. And they're only going to be getting that 1% mm-hmm. back because that's what their audience is. It's they're going like, to say that. Flash this. They're going to say that with their miniature robot dicks hanging out of their ears. <laughs> I can't well, take, if somebody walks up to you with your AirPods in their ears and starts talking to me, I cannot take them seriously and think they have dicks growing out of their ears. Take them out. If you're gonna have a conversation, yeah. take them out of your ears. Or See, hey, do what I do. I have bone conduction headphones. Which I means who introduced you to those bone conduction headphones. That's beside the point. You did, but that's beside the point. <laughs> um, I use a I use them a lot with what I do. And I hold conversations with them on all the time. The difference, my ears aren't don't have something inside of them. You don't look like a douchebag. I don't like, look like some having... pompous guy with a stick up my ass either. That's how I envision most Apple fanboys and girls because, you know, if it has the Apple logo on it, it's gold. Yeah. You know, if Apple released a shower that, you know, pissed on you with their logo, I'm pretty sure people would eat it up and buy it. Eat it eat it up and maybe drink it up, like, and not face a, a lawsuit like R. Kelly did. If Apple came out in favor of atomic research on humans, people would be for it. They would sign up for it because That's it's like, ooh, I get it. That's how Kool-Aid people are with Apple. South Park did it perfect with the Sentai pad, with the human Sentai pad. They did it perfectly that in the terms of services, they can get you to pretty much do whatever they want because nobody reads it. Nobody ever reads the terms of service. So, so you just, you sell your soul and people will, and it's funny too, like there are people, and call them conspiracy theorists or call them nut jobs or call them people that like actually kind of pay attention is it's like, oh, it's like they took a bite out of the apple at the garden of eden bite taken out of this apple and you're just doomed because you buy into apple yeah no exactly right it's it's funny because yeah you buy apple and you accept all their policies and their terms of services and they could put in there going yeah we're going to force feed you shit through your mouth and make you shit into someone else's mouth that we surgically attached to you because we're apple and no you're not reading this it's and people will do it because it's apple so that's how the human that's how the human centipede became to be, was they just didn't read terms of service. Again, the human centipad. Ask, 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 ask the guys at South Park about that. But Oh, I wish I could. Yeah. But I will say this is probably a great segue into our political thing topic for the day, talking about privacy and terms of service with our friend of freedom, Michael Anderson of the Liberty Talks podcast. It's time for a political thing. That's right, a political thing. This week, we are going to get a little political and talk about Facebook. Um, FTC, the U.S. Federal Trade Commission, announced a $5 billion settlement with Facebook this week, resolving investigations into how they lost control over personal data and mishandled communications. So there's still more to this, and... I'm going to take a step back in this segment and actually kick it over to Miss Nancy and our guest from the Liberty Talks podcast, Friend of Freedom, Mr. Michael Anderson. So, Nancy, go ahead. (laughs) Friend of Freedom. I love that. And welcome, Michael. Thank you for joining us today. So for having me. Of course. It's always a pleasure to have you on. I can say that now, now that I'm actually here and 
you know, able to talk with you and not just listening to you stand in for me position wise from our last podcast. So it's much appreciated. Absolutely. Thanks a lot. (laughs) Of course. So I do want to dive in a little bit deeper into this whole FTC uh, fining of Facebook. So they did fine Facebook $5 billion for reaching privacy to its users. This is actually its largest fine that it's ever um, it's ever issued um, back even still um, against Dish, which used to be its largest at only $168 million. Um, this is a result from like a year-long investigation with the whole Cambridge Analytica breach. So I'm sure at least we're all a little bit familiar with that because everyone freaked out about it just a little bit. Um, so yeah, that's about where we are with it so far. Michael, what, what kind of thoughts do you have on this whole finding of Facebook? As I mentioned on the last podcast, my political philosophy is around the ideas of like libertarian conservatism. So in general, I'm not a big fan of the FCC. Actually, I'd, I'd probably be someone who'd be, uh, an advocate of abolishing it. But, um, you know, considering the government's kind of getting involved in this and, you know, punching Facebook for doing wrong and allowing, you know, uh, I think would be like a violation of their terms of service. I think it's a good thing. You know, I mean, uh, at the same time, you got to think that, you know, we put a lot of personal information online and uh, on Facebook, a lot of these, you know, uh, social media uh, giants, they have a lot of our information. And we do sign a terms of service, you know, to, to say, hey, look, you know, we're going to give you our information. We hope you don't misuse it or sell it or do X, Y, and Z with it. And uh, obviously, like you said, we found out uh, this past year that uh, Facebook has been abusing our information, our privacy, right? And I, I believe in privacy. I believe that's a, that's a natural right of the people. So uh, I think it's kind of interesting. Um, especially for someone like me, like I said, I, I'm a limited government person. I don't really like a lot of bureaucrats like the FCC. I think the stuff they do on, you know, TV and radio saying you can't say certain words that we could say here on a podcast. I think that's pretty stupid. Right. Um, but, uh, it kind of makes me happy to see that they're actually going after this tech giant and, uh, willing to give them a fine for misusing, uh, the people's privacy. Yeah, I'm I'm of this I'm I'm in the same boat and you you've actually seen how much of a privacy person I am. The last time we all kind of got together to video chat, I had to remove tape from my webcam because I'm one of those people <laughs> that put tape over my webcam cuz you can call me paranoid, but I I try to, you know, limit what people do see or, you know, could have access to when I understand on smartphones, I still have a front facing camera that someone can access at any point in time. But, you know, I'm well aware of that my phone's almost always face down. Um, So I'm a very private person. So when all of this was breaking, I was maybe not freaking out, but I was very concerned because it was one thing for, you know, me to personally sign up with a terms of service with whatever third party app that I was using, but for other third party apps to get information from me, 
based off of the friends that I had was a whole other story. And there's a full timeline of events that have, this has been going back since 2012. So back in 2012, Facebook had updated its terms of service saying that it, um, your information can be shared with third party apps via the friends that have downloaded said apps. And that was then removed in 2014 when people were like, wait a second, like we didn't consent to this because consent is key. We didn't consent to this just because we're friends with, you know, Sally Sampson over there. Um, so in 2014, they removed that ability from their terms of service, but they would actually go on to say up through April 2015 to the third party apps that they could still use this data and they didn't stop it until June of 2018, which is really where like the big issues were like coming from. So there was a whole laundry list of events that had happened, you know, to get to where this monumental fine, you know, came from, which is absolutely mind boggling that it took, you know, six years really for anything to finally stop in terms of it. And as a result, Cambridge Analytica like was able to get, it was 87 million users and be able to have um, voting profiles based off of it, which may or may not have swayed, you know, our election this past year. So it's a, it's a big deal. You know, I, I think you're, you're, you're right. And to put, put a little, little bit, to put this into perspective a little bit, um, you're, you're throwing out some years, uh, 2012, 2015, um, around that same time, we also discovered the, the, as the American people that, uh, you know, our own government was spying on us. They were essentially doing the same thing with our metadata and, uh, they lied about it. You know, I think it was around 2013 that, um, either the NSA lied or it came out that they lied saying that, yeah, we we're not spying on American citizens, but they actually were. And they were using this metadata to, you know, um, find out different things. And, and it's so creepy because they can use this technology. They can use this private information, use our metadata to predict certain things like what religion you are. Uh, like you said, uh, a political profile of yourself, um, what uh, doctors you go to, what medicines you take. I mean, this is some serious violation of privacy. Right. And, you know, a lot of a lot of less paranoid people won't recognize that, which I think is where, you know, the majority of this, you know, fine is coming from, not from people like you and me who are a little bit more conscious of what we do on the internet and how we do things on the internet. I'm not sure if you have like a VPN or anything like that, but you know, there are a lot of avenues for people that are more conscious on the internet to try to protect themselves. But I know that this fine and all of the privacy agreements are really for the lemmings of the internet. If I want to say that word might be mean. So I'd but, like to jump in for just a second and just kind of confirm something for Michael, um, since I've kind of taken a backseat for our segment here. Um, Michael, you had mentioned all started with the NSA stuff. Yes, it did come in 2013. Oh, look at us. We got a fact checker. I love it. <laughs> and up here on the on, on a thing over here. Well, I mean, to be fair, if I wanted to talk about more of this Facebook, you would, I mean, 
Michael and your points are exactly the same way I feel about these um, when it comes to the way they handle my privacy, which is also why I opt out of most things Facebook offers me. That's fair. I I really just kind of like I use Facebook Facebook Messenger. It's like my primary form of communication just because it's easier for me. I don't know why it happened that way, but that's just who I am as a person. Um, even then, I hardly post on Facebook, which is a problem when you're, you know, trying to build a podcast and need to post to be relevant. But like, I'm working on it. <laughs> the thing is, so many people use Facebook, you know, and um, as you pointed out, you know, you know, this Cambridge Analytica and Facebook, they've they've been able to build political profiles about users and information to the point where, like you said, um, you know, foreign agents like the Russian government uh, have been able to, you know, use this information to possibly even influence our elections. I mean, we know from the Mueller report this past week that, uh, you know, the Trump campaign in Russia didn't collude, but that doesn't mean that the Russian government didn't use this information to try to, um, you know, push divisiveness and to try to divide Americans in the 2016 election. Actually, um, we know that, you know, the gov- the Russian government, in fact, did, uh, you know, they were posting things on both sides. They were uh, ramping up things for, you know, so, you know, what uh, like conservatives. And they were also ramping up things for like uh, organizations such as Black Lives Matters. They were they were really putting a lot of stuff out there. And uh, it's it's kind of scary when, you know, uh, companies and foreign governments can utilize this information to influence elections, but also influence individuals. I mean, I'm sure we've all been, you know, uh, at a point on the internet where we're talking about like, I don't know, cats or like you're saying, oh, I want, um, you know, X, Y, and Z. I'm thinking about eating this for dinner. And then the next thing you know, like one of those ads have popped up on your Facebook or on YouTube or something. It's actually kind of creepy. Yeah. And they've actually, so there's a couple different YouTube channels that I've watched where they've actually like tested this, where people have gone on and like said things like, oh, I need kitty litter, kitty litter, kitty litter. And like seeing if like microphones have picked it up or, you know, strollers. And like, it has absolutely nothing to do with search history. They refuse to search it, but it's just a mic pickup. Um, and sometimes they would get things that were like kind of close, but not exact, but it's like, they're probably just trying to be like, oh, we're not 100% listening, but this might get you in the right search direction for what we know you really want, um, which is creepy. And, and to add to that point, you know, it's it may not even be that technically they're listening to our mics or our video cameras, but I mean, just metadata in general, like what you're searching, the websites that you're going on. Um, and in this case, you're talking about Facebook, it can, it can you know, jump from, you know, X person to Y person to, you know, Z person, it could get all their information. So for example, um, last month or two months ago, I was doing some research on getting a new car. And uh, I literally did it for just a few hours one day, and I ended up, you know, buying a new car. But for the next few weeks, I kept on getting ads saying, Oh, get you in a brand new car and all these car ads and stuff. And yeah. And I mean, I, I don't shop online very often. But I do look for things online to buy in person. I'm, I'm very much of the mindset of like, I need to buy it in person to keep this location afloat um, because they have a sales plan. And like, you know, I work in retail. So like, I understand like the importance of coming in and buying things. So I'll look for things online and then go in and buy them. 
But the second I look for something, I will get ads for weeks about it. And Facebook is notorious for this, even if I'm just like scrolling through and I see an ad for like makeup and I might accidentally click it instead of scrolling, then that ad doesn't disappear for weeks. And to kind of further that point and tie it back into the political profiles is that everything that you click on, every like, every dislike, every ad that you click on, every video that you stop and watch, even if you don't click on the video and you just like unmute it or you just watch it, it all gets saved to create that profile. And you can actually go into your settings and see what type of ads are targeted for you specifically or what type of political affiliation they like identify you as. And Facebook actually kind of has me down to a T and it's terrifying for how little I use it for anything outside of just stalking my friends. There's actually certain ways you can go into Facebook. I think maybe we're, I think we're probably talking about the same thing here, but you can go into Facebook and look to see the type of uh, profile that they have built for you using your metadata. I remember looking at it one time and they called me like a, it's kind of funny. They called me an African-American conservative. I guess it's because like I'm a big fan of hip hop, you know, and I'm a libertarian. So they're like, oh, this guy's a black conservative. Oh, see, they have me as a uh, Caucasian uh, extreme liberal. Um, when I am a Hispanic, pretty liberal. So, you know, and it's it's funny, too, because like the la my last name on Facebook is not my real last name, but it's still of the uh, Latin like origin. So for them to like peg me as a Caucasian, I thought kind of funny because all of my friends do call me a coconut. I'm brown on the outside and white on the inside. And apparently Facebook knows that too. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and you know what is it's like, a, it's like I said on the last podcast and then this one, you know, I'm, I'm really skeptical of, of government intervention in these type of things. Um, but I, th I think the, the the place where you know we should be targeting you know these companies is on their terms of service and when they violate those terms of service. And I think in this case, when you're talking about privacy of the American people, it begs the question of you know is this ethically correct? Is this something that's you know uh, morally right to do? And you know I I I was not a political policy major in college. I'm a I was a history major and a philosophy minor, but I was speaking to one of my friends who was more of a more into policy and uh, you know political science and stuff like that, and uh, they were referring me to a documentary on Netflix called The Great Hacking, and I would really encourage you guys and all of your viewers uh, to to look into that. And uh, essentially, what it's talking about in that in that documentary is it goes into depth about um, certain technological warfare that, you know, uh, can be used by certain governments trying to learn more about the culture and communications, um, of insurgencies and, you know, our enemies of, you know, to say, right. So essentially, uh, what they do is they can figure out certain communication nodes and figure out, um, for example, like if I call you every single day, at nine o'clock and we have certain Please conversations don't. about politics, right? <laughs> or like you talk to your mom or like me, I have, I have, um, you know, morning meetings with, uh, the people that I work for, um, in, in the politics and the campaigns that I do. Right. And we talk about certain things and essentially what this 
this this technological warfare allows you know certain governments or you know even the American government, for example, um, it allows them to understand you know social and culture norms um, to help combat the insurgents. It also um, gets to the point where essentially, if you if you get this down to a T, it's almost like you know uh, the it's almost like Cambridge Analytica and the metadata that they're using to build profiles about us in America. Well. Our government could utilize this information to, you know, help predict conversations, but not only conversations, but certain events that would happen. So that way it would be easier to take out these insurgents in, in um, foreign countries. But what I found really interesting is that the AAA, oh. which is the American Anthropology Association, has actually deemed this technological warfare unethical. And it's more or less no longer used or it's frowned upon. So we don't do this as as like as as a government. We think this is unethical to do against people that are our enemies. So I think it begs the question: Why are you know private companies in the United States using this and tr to try to build profiles against American citizens? Right? If it's unethical for the American government to do it to foreign governments, why is it unethical for the American government? You know, or even just private companies in the United States to do that to Americans with private, uh, with privacy rights, you know, like this seems like super unethical to me. And well, I mean, I can just tell you that that's, that's capitalism because they can't necessarily profit off of, you know, foreign, you know, foreign bodies and foreign insurgents and all of that nonsense. But I mean, they can definitely capitalize off of us. Every, Everything that they collect can be either bought or sold or to sell us something. So as unethical as it may be, and I wholeheartedly agree that I think it's, you know, a, a severe violation of like our policy or our privacy, regardless on if we sign up for it, because a lot of times like we don't read it because it's a bunch of lawyer mumbo jumbo. And there are a lot of people that may also not understand it and may try to read it. There's there's a bunch that goes into that. But at the end of the day, we're a dollar amount. Like that's how much can we how, how much can we sell this profile for? How much can we sell this person to, you know, buy into whatever it is that it is? And that's something that you can't get with. I just want to interject. Outside I'm resources. Totally willing to sell a thing. I am totally willing to sell it for three thousand dollars. Just putting that out there, Facebook. Three thousand? We're at least worth five. <laughs> Don't don't start low. You gotta start high. There's a bidding. I'm starting at three thousand because we're probably not worth that much. Facebook three thousand bucks. You. <laughs> you know it's so, it's it's actually really interesting. You know you 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 have a good point. I would give you a little bit of pushback on saying it's capitalism because you know it's it's essentially a violation of their terms of service. You know, and so if you if you go into you know a business deal, right, like you know free voluntary exchange of goods and services, which is what capitalism is, you know, you're going into a business deal with, you know, a contract on the table. That's what the terms of service is. And so essentially Facebook and these tech companies are essentially lying to you and, and violating your privacy, which I, which what I would say is a violation of individual rights. I mean, okay. that's essentially what it is, is these, these companies are violating your rights and they're violating your privacy. 
So, I mean, if you sign okay. up for it, if you say, hey, okay, you know, I'm, I'm okay with you guys having my privacy. I mean, that's what we do on social media, right? We, we give them a lot of our private information. The question right. is, are, are these companies being honest when they say what they are doing with our information? And it turns out, like we found out, Facebook was lying to their users. Right. And, you know, that was the whole point of the fine. And I'm actually going to kind of like tie that point back into one of these questions. One of the questions I want to ask you is that, so we have the largest fine in FTC history against Facebook, which is $5 billion. But if you think about the amount of revenue that Facebook makes last year alone, that uh, Facebook had made $55.8 billion. So this $5 billion fine is really only equivalent to about a month's worth of revenue for Facebook. So if you think about it in terms of maybe not billions, but just like as like your average, you know, Joe Schmo, it's maybe like a speeding ticket or a DUI ticket for a regular American citizen. And you can even argue that the people that speed or DUI are infringing on our rights to live because they're putting our lives in danger by driving recklessly. So how, how do you feel about this? Do you feel like it's a slap on the wrist? Do you think it's like actually something that Facebook may learn from or? Um, you, you know, it's hard to say. I mean, like, like I was uh, talking to you guys on the last podcast, there's certain things, for example, like conservatives will say, oh, we need to, you know, come down on Facebook and regulate them to the point where, hey, look, we have the right to freedom of speech online. Well, I don't, I don't necessarily agree with that. I think these are private businesses. And if they want to censor people or take people off their platform, you know, that's fine. As long as they're following their terms of service, because that is essentially the contract that you were signing, right? When you go, when you go into a social media platform, you were kind of signing a contract when you agree to their terms of service, right? So whatever their terms of service says is how these businesses should be running their business. So in this Stop. case, Facebook has violated its terms of service. So I think it it's somewhat justified for, you know, the FCC to give them a fine. I don't know how much they should fine. I'm not sure, you know, if, if there should be more of a fine against them. I think that um, because this information coming out in the media, um, that that's probably going to be the biggest backlash. The fact that Facebook's users know what's going on now. And, you know, even this, even the whole like, you know, Russian interference in our elections, you could take it back and blame Facebook to, for, to a certain extent, right? Like, I mean, I think it's, I think it's something that the media should do a better job of than the government, but I, th I'm kind of, I kind of sympathetic with the FCC finding them. I'm not sure, you know, the dollar amount that can be put on this type of thing, but I definitely think there needs to be something that happens. And I think that, you know, American citizens should think twice before they just accept terms of service and, you know, utilize Facebook as their, as their primary social media. If, if this is the, if this is how they're going to treat our privacy and our information, um, maybe it's something for the individuals to think about. Information do you actually want to put on Facebook and how much do you actually trust it? It's, it's a, it's a rough question. I don't, I don't necessarily know the answer to it. Um, I sure hope that Facebook will learn from this, but I don't mean, but I, but if if I can real quick, I don't necessarily think that um, you know, government uh, like overarching government regulation or a new bureaucrat to help you know 
make sure these uh, companies do better is the solution. Because I think if we have overarching regulation or a new bureaucracy to say, hey, look, this is how Facebook needs to run its business. I think that what that's going to be doing is, is artificially making a monopoly, saying, oh, hey, look, we're going to help Facebook continue so that way its users don't get pissed off and leave. I think if this happens and it continues to happen, users should consider leaving. You know, this business should fail on its own and the government shouldn't prop it up and say, okay, we're going to make sure you guys succeed. Well, yeah, that's going to be, that's going to be the end of it. Cause I mean, like at the end of the day, like Facebook just makes so much money. That's, you know, and unfortunately money makes the world go round. And I think like, just to kind of like answer my own question here, I really don't think that Facebook is going to, is going to change much on this. I, I feel it's one of those, like, they're going to take this as like a, a slap on the wrist. It's like, oh, you lose a little bit of money, but don't do it again. No, no. And then just kind of, unfortunately, continue. And I mean, it makes me more hesitant to post things on Facebook. And I'm not like, I'll, I'll I click on articles I hardly like or dislike, or, you know, I just kind of stalk now because I'm a Facebook creeper. Um, and Facebook has said that, you know, they're going to, you know, revisit their, you know, their terms of service in terms of privacy and that the FTC is also putting new restriction on their privacy policies and making it more transparent for their users. But at the end of the day, it's like if they, you know, went on for, you know, six plus years, you know, six that's been documented anyway, but who knows how long it's really been going on. I don't really feel like they're going to change their ways too much because we're, we're too much of a commodity for them to not do this. It's definitely, it's definitely a hard question. I mean, like when, whether you're talking about the government or a private, you know, company that, you know, these individuals, these organizations, these institutions, they have the ability to lie. Like, like I pointed out when you were talking about um, the, the terms of service from 2012 to 2015, you know, our own government was lying to its American people and utilizing this metadata and spying on its own people. So, you know, can we even trust the government to regulate this industry correctly? I mean, I'm not sure that that's, that's the point that I'm getting back is I think that, you know, eventually these, these companies like Facebook, these tech giants, I think they're going to screw up enough to the point where people say, Hey, look, they're going to get a bad rep and people are going to not want to use their, their services anymore. You know, you said that Facebook does make a lot of money. It does, you know, there's a ton of ads, there's a ton of things on it, but there, there has to come a point where individuals make the choice. Do I want to get on Facebook? Do I want to click the ads that are being generated for me? You know, I try to ignore the ads. And I don't necessarily know the the answers to these questions, but I think it's really good that we're talking about it. You know, a lot of people are not talking about this. So like like I said at the beginning of the I mean, podcast, it's important. I exactly. You know, I mean, it's it's <laughs> very important. And I appreciate you bringing me on the show to talk about it because like I said, not a lot of folks are talking about this. And and this is this is this is real deal stuff going on in our country and it's a violation. You got to think, and, and you got to think about just like, not even just in our country too, but there are, there are millions upon millions of Facebook users that, you know, if, you know, our country's doing it, who's to say it's not happening in, you know, other countries, I'm sure there's different, you know, iterations of the exact same thing that we're dealing with, but even just having the conversation, I, you know, would hope gets people more aware of, how they spend their time online and, you know, what exactly they're sharing. And, 
you know, at least gets people thinking about this kind of thing. So that makes me want to jump in real quick. So I have a question for both of you, since we're talking, you know, with a lot of this dealing with TOS and stuff as well with Facebook and their terms of services. Have y'all ever read a service agreement for a piece of software or Facebook that y'all have um, installed on your computer before? Have you actually read through the whole thing or do you just click drag to the end? I know I've never read the whole thing. So I've, I've read like I've done the cliff notes of them where I've like skimmed through everything. But honestly, it would take even me. I'm a, I'm a fast reader. It would take a solid chunk of my my time to not only read, but also comprehend what I'm signing up for. And that's, I think, one of the biggest things is like people can like read anything. But if they truly understand what they're signing up for, I feel like a lot of times we any of the services that we use every single day. Oh, you know, I'll be honest with you. I've never read any terms of service. Um, but I, I think this is where, uh, and I kind of going back to my answer, how, I, how I'm going back to it. I'm not sure if the government is the best way to do it. Um, this is where I think the media is the best way um, to figure out these things. You know, I, I, I think the best way to fix this problem would be to rely on the media and make sure that, you know, hopefully they are coming out like they did and say, hey, look, this is what Facebook did with your information. And uh, I'm going to I'm going to go to a Thomas Jefferson quote okay. um, that I posted earlier today on Twitter. And it said, uh, were it left were it left to me to decide whether we should have a government without newspapers or newspapers without a government, I should uh, I should. Not. And essentially what this means is Thomas Jefferson is saying, you know, should we have you know, newspapers, a media, or should we have a government? I would much rather have media than have a government because essentially the free market, if you leave it to the free market, the free market will decide whether this company is going to fail or succeed. And if the media is true and they're doing their their due diligence to inform the American people about what's going on with their privacy, then hopefully the American people will listen to the media and do their research and make a wise decision when it comes to utilizing these services, whether they actually should or should not do it. I mean, hey, I know you guys probably heard about this face app thing that came out recently. You know, like a lot of people, a lot of people nowhere near that. Actually, I was going to bring that up. Had you because yeah, Yeah. so face app came out. What was that? That was earlier this week, end of last week, people taking pictures of their faces and it was showing what they looked like when they were older cool. exactly nifty right. idea but here's the catch that data belongs now to a russian company that now owns your data and can do with it basically what it wants because it goes back to my question of reading the terms of service because people don't read it and i don't think it's a matter of comprehending because if somebody reads it and sees the words privacy sold things like that you're going to get a general idea that they're trying to sell your information now, companies should make them a little simpler to understand, for sure. But it goes like like you had brought up with FaceApp. You don't know where the, all your information is truly going once it belongs to a company like this. And while the U.S. government finding them $5 billion is great, and like you had said, Nancy, that doesn't stop them from selling information of, in Russia or to Russia. doesn't stop them from selling your information in Russia either. If I may interject... You know, this is why I go back to the media, because how do we figure this out? You know, I mean, the government didn't come in and say, oh, we need to, you know, slap a fine on FaceApp or shut down FaceApp or regulate FaceApp. The media came out and said, holy crap, look at what's going on, people. Yeah, actually, and then people deleted that. 
here's like, here's the I think thing Facebook with that. actually started the whole face app anti thing i think like in the scheme of things i think that was well, i mean like the the media like i mean like i i even saw it on you know local houston news i mean like there was the media it was journalists that came out and said hey look at this this is what it actually is and this is what's going on like this app is utilizing your data and you're pretty much giving all your pictures over to this russian uh See, company and, or and whatever here's, and here's the thing with that too is that we you know you know like we're we're so quick and you know i'll go back to the whole paranoia thing that i have where i've had tape over my laptop camera I don't use the face. I don't use the Snapchat filters that like scan my face because even back in like, like maybe 2012, 2014, one of those two years where people were like, oh, you know, they can sell your your face scans to whatever agency that decides to buy it that day. So and with this whole face app thing, like not only are they scanning your face for what it is now, but they're also generating a photo of potentially what you could look like when you're older. So it's like a facial mapping of like your, like of tracking, like what you could potentially look like even like years into the future and people don't think about that. So like, not only do they have your face now, but they kind of maybe have your face then. <laughs> and that's just, in, in my opinion, it's like, that's another like privacy violation because it's like, yeah, you know, I can post a selfie of like who I am right now. And like, I, you know, I consent to that. I sign up to that service. But the second that it gets taken a step further and, you know, they they tweak it or age it and it's like, I didn't consent to, uh, I guess people that have done the face app kind of did, but not for that information to be sold to whatever facial recognition company or whatever agency could potentially want to know what I look like when I'm like 60 or hopefully 80. Hopefully I age well. <laughs> right. And I mean, essentially... I think what I what I would just say is that I think people need to consider what they're putting out there. Understand that, you know, when you're utilizing the internet, you know, you're putting out there for the whole world to see and also for this company to do pretty much more or less whatever they want with it. And like I said, I hope the media will do its due, dil due diligence to inform the people what's going on and to let these type of secrets out. And I think they've done a pretty good job of it so far with Facebook, with FaceApp. Um, and um, I hope that, you know, the American people will listen when the media tells them that, you know, when, when the media warns them about these things. Right. And hopefully we can get to that. So I guess this will probably be a good place to wrap up for the day um, on all things Facebook and maybe or maybe not internet conspiracies on, you know, data sharing and all that good stuff. Um, so I would, I would really like to thank you, Michael, again, for coming on and us being able to like really dive into this topic because this was last to talk about. Um, do you have any final, fun. do you have any final thoughts on anything in regards to this whole Facebook thing or anything like that? Not necessarily. Like I said, um, like I said before, you know, I don't, I'm not sure that the government's the best person to trust when it comes to these things. I, I hope, you know, the media will, will inform us, us individuals and us American people and that will listen when the warning is being put out. Um, I guess just on a final note, you go, you guys can find me on Twitter at Michael for freedom, Michael, the number four freedom and uh, check out Liberty Talks podcast as well. Um, I, I always enjoy coming on your guys' show. 
and talking politics, um, hearing your guys' point of view and uh, allowing uh, me to have, you know, a platform on, on your podcast. So uh, anytime you guys want to do a political thing, you know, you can hit me up. Definitely. And hey, Michael, actually, real quickly, I wanted to ask you, what are you currently working on in the world of making freedom win? Absolutely. So um, I work for I work for a liberty organization called Young Americans for Liberty. We have a pact called Operation Win at the Door. And essentially what we do is we uh, identify and endorse uh, liberty legislatures, whether they're Republican or Libertarian. We haven't exactly found a liberty crat yet, but hey, if you're a liberty Democrat, like super cool, we'd love to have you. But um, if you're looking for a job and you agree with the ideas of individual freedom, the Constitution, essentially you're a libertarian or conservative, um, I would highly suggest you go to yaliberty.org and uh, look into getting a job knocking doors. That's essentially what I'm doing right now is I'm going around having genuine conversations with individuals about the principles of liberty and the candidates that our PAC and our organization endorses. Uh, it's, it's really great work. And uh, if, if you're looking for like a summer job or you're looking for something even a little bit more full-time, we're looking for door knockers. We're looking for liberty leaders to step up and uh, make a change in our country. Uh, our goal is to elect 250 uh, state legislatures by 2022. And if we do that, then we'll have 5% of all state legislatures with a liberty mind and essentially what that is is we'll be have we'll be in a much better place in our country and i know um you know ma no matter whether you're on the left or the right in politics uh what's going on in our federal government right now is crazy there's so much divisiveness and uh, i don't think people really i don't think the government and our you know our leaders and our representatives in government are really worried about our freedom they're not really worried about that stuff. They're more worried about winning. They're more worried about attacking the other side. And uh, this organization I work for, we're worried about our principles. We're worried about the future of our government. And uh, like I said, if you're looking for a job, go to yaliberty.org and check it out. And I will link that in the podcast description. Uh, Mr. Anderson, friend of freedom, thank you again for joining us today. For yes, this was a wonderful conversation we got to have today. So thank you so much. And I think that wraps up a political thing. Well, that was a whole bunch of fun to talk about. And just a couple of little housekeeping things that I think we should talk about before we get into our final segment of the evening. Um, on Twitter, one of my favorite games of all time, Super Mario, went viral for a demand for a remaster. So what I am assigning to all of you out there in the void, is we got to make this happen. We need Paper Mario and the Thousand Year Door to get remastered because it is such a fantastic game. Putting it out there, I'm going to say it real quick. And I think now it's time for us to hop into our PSA of the day. You know what? No, I want to hijack you for a second. How dare you? No, I just want to say one thing and one, what, just one quick thing since we're kind of doing a housekeeping aside. Okay. I just want to say happy first birthday to my son. Aww. Because he will be hey. one year old the week of the podcast going up this week, and I just want to say it. Oh, you're such a dad, but now you happy can birthday to Duder. Happy you birthday to the Duder. And now it is time for... See, and now 
But now you've made the PSA weird. Have I though, or have I made it even better? I don't know. I guess it depends. We'll have to ask. We'll have to ask the misses on this afterwards. You sure you want so. that answer? No. Because <laughs> you know she'll give you an answer. I know, and that's why I love her. So, our our PSA comes from a Metro UK oh. article. Oh wait, it came from England. Oh, this is gonna be. Oh, it's going to be jolly. It's going to be. Oh, it's going to be jolly good today. Can so, can I unironically say the word cunt because it's British? Oof. Like in the British sense of the word. Yeah, you know what? Because I feel yeah. like the British meaning and the American meaning, and I'm hijacking your PSA segment on this, but really, real quick, the American meaning to that word and the British meaning to that word are two completely different things. It's like the word piss. True. You know, you can get pissed in England and you're not mad. You're just drunk. In America, you're pissed. You're you're mad. So I feel like I, connotations of words, depending on the article and depending on the context. Hey, that kind of goes into something else we could talk about later on. You know what? Moving on. These British people, are, they, they are silly cunts who just get pissed a lot. Are you proud of yourself? I kind of am. <laughs> I probably, you know. I'm probably going to get some hate for saying that, too, and I don't care. You know what? It's, I'm not going to say it's fine. I'm just going to let whatever happened happen. At least I didn't refer to you as. Okay, we're, gonna, we're just going to stop you right there. I mean, I could. Okay, we're done hijacking my PSA. So to get back to what we're supposed to be talking about, um, we all know it's been crazy hot out lately. And many parts of not only the United States, great old America, um, Ooh, but a lot of other in the world. <laughs> Don't make America great again. Okay, stop. that is not an endorsement. That is just yes. a meme. I am memeing. Yes, before don't add us. It is a meme. Or you um, can add me all you want, but you're just gonna get trolled. <laughs> at at your own risk. So, um, Europe has been experiencing a crazy heat wave. And just just for a little background, um, we as Americans are very privileged to have a lot of, if not the majority of our country, have things like air conditioning and central air. Europe isn't like that. No, they're not. <laughs> they, they usually don't experience the same type of temperatures that we do. Um, and as a result of it, for them to hit temperatures, like 102, 106, 95. People in Arizona are laughing and maniacally. We all know that the second you mention heat, Arizonians kind of just like run up and say, you don't know hot. You know what? No, fuck that. I, I spent a dozen, 100 degrees. You had 100 plus 70% humidity. It's hot. So fuck you. <laughs> Ooh, hashtag triggered. Um, Hashtag, I, I've lived in states with two different style heat, and where I currently live is hotter than where I grew up. And where I grew oh. up is a literal desert valley in Arizona. Yeah. So, you you at least know both of these. So, um, apparently, a trend has started to happen in the UK of women specifically putting what they call ice lollies, or here in the states, like freeze pops, popsicles, 
depending on what half of the Mason-Dixon you're on. Um, I, I think freeze pops more refers to the ones in pops. The ones that give you the Joker scars on the yeah. sides of your mouth? Yeah, those are freeze pops. Okay, that's fair. Yeah, a popsicle so, is on a stick. Okay, so we'll go with popsicle. Uh, women in the UK and other parts of Europe are currently sticking popsicles up their vaginas to fight the heat. I mean, I, I mean, why at that point they just get an ice dive? Probably <laughs> using too much more imagination than I should on for <laughs> The ice will melt, it's water, it's a little safer than sticky juice. I mean, but you I know, guess it leaves behind a nice flavor. All right, you're cut off. I knew this PSA of the day was a mistake. Just honestly, like talking out my body here. This would all get ice. It would accomplish the same thing and be much more sanitary. Well, right, but I mean, lately, thanks to the internet, uh, there's there's been a trend of women sticking various things up their genitals, um, that are not good. I... Go up your genitals. So. Quick aside, because this is now kind of funny to me to, to see this article and what it was dated and when I got this DM. So I put I retweeted a thing that um, the official Popsicle brand Twitter handle put out to bring back the double pops with the two sticks that were wider. <laughs> and it met its retweet goal. They're bringing them back and back. I got that message a day or two before this article came out. So now I'm just imagining the double sticks. <laughs> and it's those, those, are, those are for women that want to challenge. <laughs> I mean, I was going to say something else, but that works. I was going to say, those are for the... <laughs> so, with that, I think I think our PSA of the day is really just going to be... Wait, I'm sorry. I just, I have to know why the article has a your genital... Wait, you're, you're cutting out. I sorry. want to know why there's a link in the article about why you don't vacuum your vagina. I'm sorry, I'm hijacking your PSA for a moment because this is just too weird. This was linked in the article. And it's from Metro from June 7th of this year. Please don't vacuum your vagina to try to end your period faster. People, are you guys really serious? Are there really people trying these things? You know, unfortunately, I'm, like, yeah. I'm sorry this ties into it because it's still kind of going to tie into what I know your PSA is going to be. But this is like they even give you a recap of things to say no to, like parsley, bath bombs and garlic cloves. Yeah, the garlic clove one was weird. Women I, were sticking garlic cloves up there to like kind of. Wait, I'm sorry. Garlic up. Clove, n no. So I'm clicking because these are all hot linked in the article, and I think I'm actually going to post this PSA article. This is too interesting. I'm sorry. This is going to go longer than we wanted it to. But it says garlic cloves will not fix your yeast infection, so please don't put them into your vagina. You know, and that's why I said freshen up. I wasn't going to. No, we're going to get infections. What are the bath bombs Giggity? for? Giggity? What is the parsley for? I got to know. I'm now I'm curious. You've opened up the rabbit hole, Nancy, and we're recording all of this. Why are people I, using an it's a bath bomb that looks like an eggplant and people are using it as a dildo? Oh no. <laughs> I think 
Oh, oh, and apparently the parsley encourage your period. So, so you're gonna put the parsley in there so you can encourage it, but just remember, then you gotta vacuum it out. <laughs> so that way you can enjoy your eggplant-shaped bath bomb. And don't worry for that irritation. You can shove a double pop popsicle up there to cool off. And then if the popsicle gives you a yeast infection, don't worry. You've got garlic cloves. I'm clipping this whole PSA. <laughs> We've derailed this whole thing, and now <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so, is our PSA don't just don't stick weird shit up there? PSA of the day, stop putting weird shit in your vagina. Could I just read this little excerpt out real quick? Please? You know, fine. <laughs> so, this is from the original PSA article. One woman who posted on a Yahoo forum was playing around with her boyfriend in bed and reported that part of the lolly did indeed slip up inside of her, but also that the color from it stained her skin. And this is... The doctors explained that the sugar can mess with the pH levels, and it's... Mm-hmm. Guys. Also, no, don't use sugar-free ones. That's not gonna fix it. Nope. Wait, someone put a Snickers ice cream bar up there? Oh my god. She wasn't <laughs> impressed with the feeling, apparently. Okay, yeah. I'm gonna re- PSA of the day. Don't put weird things in your vagina. 